You're listening to the Irish Times. It's Masters Week. It is. It's Masters Week. Very Masters. exciting. It's very exciting. I think this is in ranking favorite uh, sporting weeks of the year. This is definitely up there with Cheltenham Week. Definitely up there with the week before a World Cup starts and maybe Super Bowl week or something like that. I like I love Masters Week. I think, yeah, because last week you mocked me for getting excited about the National Hurling League semifinals. And this week you're basically like a, a child waking up early on Christmas morning. An yeah. over-sugared child. An over-sugared child, yes. On, on Christmas morning. Who got to open some of his treats, the selection box, the night before. Exactly, yeah. And didn't really sleep through the night. And the parents then saw him getting up at 5am and they were like, oh, come on. And this is especially, this this year seems especially uh, exciting. Why? Well, it's it's one of those, every year when you're when you're looking at the, the, the Masters, there's a list of players who generally play well at the Masters. And you look down through them and you go, well, he's kind of done all right and he's kind of doing all right so far in the lead up to it. But this year, everybody who plays well at the Masters has done well in, like, the last month. Mm. Like, say a month to six weeks ago, Phil Mickelson hadn't won in five years. He won. Tiger was back, but was, you know, we were at the applauding him for walking upright stage. But he contended at two two tournaments in a row. Mm-hmm. Rory McIlroy hadn't won since 2016. He won. Um, Bubba Watson. Bubba Watson won. Bubba Watson has won two tournaments this year. Three. Never before has he won two tournaments before the Masters. And he's heading into this. Uh, Paul Casey always does well at the Masters. He actually won the tournament that everybody got excited about Tiger winning. Or Tiger coming like third or fourth in at the Valspar there a few weeks ago. Uh, but like Nobody really noticed that Casey actually lifted the, the trophy, which was his first win in America for X number of years as well. So all these guys, Jordan Spieth had a great, was the last remaining one of them to, to not do anything this year, and yet he came third there last week. So you have just a list as long as your arm of guys who have contended in other years, guys who are, you can nearly, they're bankable performers at Augusta, and they're all playing well. So it seems inconceivable that we get to Sunday night without, say, three of them involved. Yeah. And if you took, you would take any three of them, them involved on Sunday night, yeah, I would not, I won't shift from the TV anyway, but let's say three of, of any of a dozen names are involved. You're all about it. Because sometimes in other competitions, I guess the course is sometimes a variable, whereas in this that's um. We know exactly what we're getting course-wise, if yeah. you know what I mean, and we happen to have a really strong field coming through. If any, if you're into golf in any way, if you're into watching golf in any way, you can close your eyes and picture the last seven holes mm. of Augusta. You know that twelve is the short one. You know thirteen is the long one around the corner. Fourteen is kind of nondescript. It kind of you kind of take a wee break before they get back onto fifteen down the down the hill over the water. Sixteen across the lake. Like just these iconic holes that everybody who's into golf knows, uh, and that's why partly it makes it not easy because like the winner for the last sort of four or five years have not been the favourites. You know, Sergio won last year. I think he was thirty-five to one or something like that. Um, Danny Willett was any price you like the year before, 
but you do get the same people contending every year because it's such a quirky course because you have to know what to do on it where to miss on it all that sort of stuff stuff that we'll be talking about later with uh, Colin Byrne who has caddied for 25 years at Augusta and has his guy uh, he's on Rafa Cabrera Bello's bag this week like he was telling us when he came in to talk to us last week just about all the little things the nuances of the place Mm. that you have to get used to to be able to play around there and it's the same guys that get used to it every year it's the same guys that you generally see up, uh, up around the top of the leaderboard and that's why it's that's why you know we look forward to it every year. Yeah, fair enough. You've convinced me it's probably <laughs> going to be better than the National Hurling League semi-finals. <laughs> they were pretty good though. They were very good. Yeah, <laughs> in <yeah>. fairness. <laughs> but uh, first of all, as somebody who knows far more about it the, than we do, uh, our golf correspondent Philip Reed is on the ground over in Augusta. He joins us now from the media centre. Philip, I was just saying to Pat there, this is the first year I can remember where really there are no holes to pick in any of the leading contenders. You know, everyone who generally plays well at Augusta seems to be playing well in recent weeks. This really must be one of the hardest masters to predict in years. Well, it's certainly one of the most open, but it's also, there's a buzz here. You know, I, I can't remember, I think this is my 23rd year coming here and uh, for a Monday yesterday, the roars that were going around the course, you know, normally there's a buzz, but it's almost as if it's been electrified this year. And it's exactly because of what you say. It's because so many really good players are coming in in such good form. There's so many storylines. It's, uh, you know, just, just an exciting feel. Even just watching uh, Tiger and Phil going down that tent fairway in a practice round together is something you know, we've never seen before, like there's a synergy between them that, you know, it's new, it's almost as if there's a new tiger out there and he's embraced the whole concept that, uh, you know, the way Jack Nicklaus and Arnold Palmer became friends, even though they had an early rivalry, it's almost as if rather belatedly he's embracing the fact that, you know, you can be friends and also rivals, but uh, there is a tremendous buzz and uh, great excitement with, as I say, so many storylines. So let, let's take those two. Uh, we, we could pick any any couple of names out of that, but let, let's take those two for a start. I mean, I you know, three months ago, you would know, certainly you would have said there was no chance of Tiger maybe even playing, never mind contending. Uh, and yet he's one of the, he's like twelve to one uh, in the short list of favourites. And Mickelson hadn't won in five years until he won uh, in Mexico a couple of weeks ago. Like those are two guys that you would have presumed. In their heyday, were always, always top of the list uh, where you'd start. But surely you would have presumed that their time was gone. Well, probably, well, certainly with Tiger Woods going on the last five years, you would have thought his time was gone. Phil, there was always something when he came back here. He had a difficult year last year. I think uh, when he when he split with Bones Mackay as caddy, you know, even looking back to that US Open decision, he's chasing a career Grand Slam and he decided to go to his daughter's high school graduation rather than uh, play in the US Open to complete that missing link. It said a lot about the man himself in terms of being a family man, but also, you know, it, it, it raised question marks about, you know, what was the desire like last year? Did he really have the old hunger? I think maybe that pro- probably led to the split because Mackay couldn't understand why his man would not tee it up in Erin Hills chasing that Grand Slam. But since he's got together with his brother Tim on the bag, you know, just just been a new energy this year. He actually looks fit. He looks as if he's relaxed. He's playing great golf. 
And, you know, the fact he's gone out and win and, and in the style that he won in Mexico, you know, he's, he's come in here with a new vigour. And uh, certainly, you know, when you get a left-handed guy like him and obviously Bubba Watson is in the same category, this course suits the ride. They're able to play shots that right-handed players aren't able to play in terms of, you know, their fade is actually the natural shot for playing Augusta National. So any year he's coming in, you say, OK, Phil is going to do well. This year, especially, you think he's going to do very, very well. And he is genuinely one of the strong contenders. And what about Tiger? Like, like is it is it ridiculous? I, I mean, I, I always, my always thinking on him was always that no matter, you know, how bad uh, things off the course were, he was always able to do something uh, at Augusta. I mean, I, I was there the year uh, after Thanksgiving, whichever that was, was that 2010? And he was, it was extraordinary what he did there that year. It was his first first tournament of the year and he still managed to get it around. I think he came fifth or fourth or something like that. So the course always suits him. But is it is it too much to imagine him in contention this week? Well, he's, I'd say six months ago, you would have said there was absolutely little chance probably of him even uh, teeing it up. But, you know, it's, uh, it's, it's a really, really strange one. You know, he's, he's up to 103 in the world. Actually, the, the lowest-ranked player ever to win was uh, Angel Cabrera, who was 69 in the world when he won back in uh, 2009. But there is something about Woods this year that, you know, you're sort of... Just, just the Woods factor is, is quite extraordinary. He hasn't played here, obviously, since uh, 2015. But he, he's come in, he's... It'll be very interesting. He's put new shafts into his driver. He's put new shafts into his tree was directly the same shafts that Rory McIlroy is using. And, you know, for all the great play that he's had this year, obviously he hasn't had a one. He's had a win. He's had a runner-up spot. But, like, his game has been erratic, you know, and the driver is the, is the club that hasn't been his friend, so to speak. So it'll be interesting to see if, if the new shafts work. But, you know, the Woods factor, anyone that's won around here multiple times, is obviously going to feel at home around here. And he looks in good shape. He's he's keyed up for it and he's prepared very well. So I still think it's ridiculous that he is second favourite or third favourite with the bookies. Eight to one, nine to one doesn't make much logic to me for anyone that has a, a betting slip in their hands. But uh, certainly just great. The evidence for the last few days is the Woods factor has energize things even more yeah than if that was possible and, and you're uh, and you're in, you're in the media center there philip like uh, he is he he's coming in to talk to you today he's coming in later on yeah i'm in the media center now but i, I, I did go out and walk with uh, woods and mickelson when they were teeing off uh, it caught some people by surprise because they teed off in the tent and they were much larger galleries around the first <laughs> tee where they were expecting him to play. So uh, there was a sort of a scurry once people realised that uh, he was teeing off on the tent. And like, you know, the, the demeanour and the sense of expectation when he arrived on that first tee, you know, Freddie Couples arrived down first. He was followed by uh, Phil Mickelson, then Thomas Peters, and then last of all, Tiger Woods. And like, it was just... It was an energy around the tee box and this is Tuesday of a practice week you know before the Masters mm. so there is this sense of expectation and it'll be interesting really interesting to see what's going to happen later on this week uh, You briefly uh, mentioned uh, Rory McIlroy there uh, another guy you know 
last, I think, f- top ten the last four years there without ever actually properly contending, doing a lot of, a lot of his best work on Sundays when or when things were kind of out of his reach. Um, won again there a couple of weeks ago. Obviously, by, you know, we, we go into it every year thinking, well, the game course suits him, but um, it's hard to, it's really hard to know whether it does or not, or whether whether it's really whether he should be one of the contenders each year. Well, it, it certainly suits him back in 2011 when obviously mm. he had a great chance to get the green jacket because the build-up that year there was uh, a lot of rain in the build-up and in terms of getting the soft Augusta, even though they have the sub-air system in, in the greens, in terms of getting the soft Augusta, that really suits his game where he can bomb the ball down fairways and can fire our flags a bit more aggressively. That was definitely the year that did the course and the setup suited him. Uh, as you say, he's had four four successive top 10 since 2014. Uh, but again, he wasn't contending going into the business end of things. And it's but the interesting thing this year is that he seems to have changed the philosophy you know I believe he only has one house rather than having two where he brought a sort of little entourage of friends so he's more focused he's just a more intimate setting he has close family obviously has his caddy Harry Diamond he's uh He's played 108, uh, 108 holes here in the last couple of weeks. He was down here last week. He played 54 holes. Uh, he's due to go out again. Uh, well, he's going to play another nine holes today. And he's not playing the part three tomorrow. So there seems to be a slightly different mindset in terms of he's aware that history is beckoning. Golfing immortality, in mm-hmm. a way, is beckoning because he is just that one leg away from a grand slam, as he has been for the last three years. And he needs to hit needs to get off the ground running really rather than trying to come from behind on a, on a Sunday. That's it with him, isn't it? Because I, I think you did a piece ahead of it uh, last year where, where you worked out that his uh, his his problems were have nearly always been at the start, not, not so much even just at the start of the week, but like the first hole is statistically his worst hole on the course. And that's almost just something that he needs to get around, needs to get his head around that kind of stuff. Well, he does, and but but strangely enough, the first hole last year on, on probably the second or the third round played as the toughest hole on the course. So, like there was a time where the first hole sort of, I won't say it was a gentle introduction because it, it has always been a tough hole the way the counter is uh, off the fairways, but it is a tough hole. But he has struggled traditionally over that, and yet if you look at his figures for say the last six holes. It's something like a collective 34 under par mm. in the last number of years there. So if he does get into contention, he knows that he has the game with par fives on the 13th, par five on the 15th. He knows he has the game where he can use his power and his touch that if he is in contention on the back nine on a Sunday, that he can get the job done. But it is about not shooting yourself in yeah. the foot on the first round or even the second round and making sure that you are there at the business end of things. Exactly. And so much with him is confidence. Like if, if he's there on Sunday night, then he'll have been playing well all week. And you, like, I, if he's in the mix, properly in the mix, you'd be confident of him winning. But that's it. That's been his problem the last few years is, you know, when the real stuff is happening, he's been trying to make up too much ground. Go around some of the other ones, Philip, that you kind of, that you, you fancy to do well or, or maybe maybe the more interesting thing is that you kind of fancy maybe not to get there. Well, yeah, just uh, going back to McElroy very briefly, um, 
you know, he is a hot and cold player, as, mm. as you alluded to. But there's also this capacity, a bit like Muhammad Ali, you know, if he ever got knocked down or had a bad time, he has this capacity to rebound. And we've seen that time and time again, where if, if he misses a cut, once his confidence gets going again, he is capable of anything. He's capable of getting those wins. And, you know, so, so, so McElroy is definitely a favour going in if he doesn't shoot himself mm. in the back. But uh, I like Bubba Watson, but, you know, just listening to him talk and his demeanour yesterday. And he's, he's a guy, as he showed when he won the Genesis, going back to golf courses where he's won. He's already won twice around here. And he's a different Bubba Watson than was there last year, you know, because, OK, it's almost as if he wiped out last year. He was playing a golf ball, uh, an Asian golf ball that, you know, I don't think anyone really was able to play it. You know, he's gone back. He's with his old golf ball. He's changed. He's familiar with his pink clubs, and he's he's in a happy place personally. He's in a happy place for his game. He's coming in with confidence. So he's obviously a player there. And if you think of last year, uh, Dustin Johnson before he had his freak accident falling down the the stairs in the the rented house, he was coming in on the back of three wins. He was almost unbackable, like everyone was, was saying. He was five to one, Philip. I actually had to go back he, and look at it. He was five to one the day before he fell down the stairs last year. Yeah, which again is typical of favourites odds uh, on this tournament in particular. Mm. But he's coming in under the radar. Like there's hardly a word about him this yeah. this year. I know his form hasn't hasn't been great and it's certainly nothing the way it was last year. But he is still the world number one. So you've got to think, you know, if uh, and he can bomb the ball. So he's there, Justin Thomas Justin Rose, like just so many uh, guys that are coming in with expectations, and we haven't even mentioned Sergio Garcia. No. Yeah. Sergio, uh, yeah, Sergio, you're, I know your uh, people are being called to the interview room there. Uh, Sergio is, uh, as you say, for a defending champion, for somebody you know who, who, in fairness, always regularly plays well there anyway. Um, I think he's down. He's down around thirty-five to one. He's one of the like rank. rank there's about a, over a dozen, maybe sixteen players ranked ahead of him in the betting. Yeah, it was quite bizarre. I think last year the, the bookies had something like uh, he was twenty-five to one to to win a major last year. You know, and he, he's actually greater odds to defend his title uh, yeah. this year. And he's uh, he's he's actually playing quite well. I know, I know he hasn't. Uh, he hasn't won, but he, but he is well. He's playing well. He's getting himself in contention, and you know he was he played really well in Mexico. He played really well at the Valspar, and uh, you know match play okay. Knocked out and didn't didn't make the quarterfinals. But you know you've got to feel that recent uh, Bertha to, to child. He's in a good place, and he knows he can win around here. So. You know, keep keep an eye on him. I'd say, yeah, definitely. Excellent. Uh, well, we'll we'll round it up, Philip. Um, I don't want to preempt your uh, preview for Wednesday's paper too much, but uh, do you would you have a short list of of I mean, I narrow down the short list. I think everybody has a short list of about twelve, but narrow down and and, <laughs> yeah. and, may, and maybe uh, maybe if there's anything uh, of the sort of mid range outsiders. Well, I would. I think uh, Bubba Watson, the way he's coming in, is going to be probably my favourite, and uh, McElroy probably is going to be his closest contender. Mm. Further down the, the, the field, I think uh, Sanders Shoffley is a guy that you're going to have to have a look at, and 
as a, probably the longer shot of, of the guys would be uh, Cameron Smith, a really good Australian player, got a really nice game. Um, not as experienced as a lot of the other players, but uh, certainly capable if he gets into rhythm to, to have a good crack at this. And the other one I would say is Patrick Cantley. Oh, Patrick Cantley, yeah, yeah. He, he's a guy that, you know, came back after a long time out and but was going to be one of the real, the real coming forces. He was sort of Jordan Spieth before Jordan Spieth became Jordan Spieth. Um, yeah, he's, 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 had, he's had his issues, but uh, he's back. He's a... He's a tour winner. He won in the Shriners Open, so mm. he knows how to win. His former late has been just okay. He was uh, tied fourth behind uh, Bubba Watson in, in the Genesis Open, but he, he's tipping along nicely. And you know, in terms of, he was here before as uh, as an amateur back in 2012 and uh, comfortably made a cut. So uh, you know, one another one just to keep an eye on. He's only 26 years of age, but he is now a tour winner. And you'd expect that he's coming here with, uh, in full health um, with a good bit of confidence. Excellent. Listen, Philip, thanks a million for uh, taking the time with us and uh, enjoy the week, as I'm sure you will. Thanks very much. Cheers, Philip. Philip thanks, Reed man. there in Augusta. Now, earlier last week, uh, before he went uh, to Augusta, we had Colin Byrne in here. Uh, Colin Byrne is a caddy for Rafa Cabrera Bell, the uh, Spanish player, and he has been at Augusta for the past 25 years with a variety of different golfers, Retief Goosen, Anders Forsbrand, uh, numerous others uh, down the years, Ernie Els and a few others. Colin came in here last week to tell us all about his experiences over there, and here's the interview now. Colin Byrne, thanks a million for coming in. Happy to be here. Just as a, as a scene setter, how many masters will this be for you now? Uh, probably a dozen. Probably I, I suspect. You've got I'm a little man who doesn't know how many times he's been to Augusta. That, that, that's a good uh, way to live your life. I'm not. I don't know. I'm not <laughs> bragging, but it's just uh, you know it all becomes a bit of a blur mm. after a while. But I have been there quite a few times. I've seen a lot of changes. Yeah. Put it that way. I think the um, early '90s. I went there with Anders Forsbrand uh, back in the day when I actually arrived down. Um, Azalea Drive or whatever the drive is. Yeah, Magnolia, Magnolia Drive, and I had to uh, show my passport to get in. Is that right? I was directed to the caddy shack. I walked into the caddy shack, which had a, an earthen floor, chicken wire on the um, where they serve food, and um, I see a sign above the door saying. Uh, no weapons allowed, i.e. guns and knives to be left outside. And I thought, where am I? Uh, this isn't the Augusta I was expecting to find. Um, now, the Caddyshack has been knocked down. There's a new one built. It's uh, it's very luxurious compared to the uh, old chicken wire days. They actually serve um, uh, seafood salad these days, <laughs> as opposed to fried chicken. So, yeah, um, you know, I've seen huge changes. Yeah. Um, the thing about Augusta is... The changes, there were dramatic changes um, when they lengthened a lot of the tees, maybe, mm. I don't know when it was, six or seven years ago. Um, and then when they introduced rough. But a lot of the changes, nobody knows. You, ha you have to be told about them. Like they've moved a um, dogwood tree 10 yards to, you know, and there's a theory behind it. Um, they've obviously got loads of time on their hands and definitely loads of money to yeah. do these things you know to uproot trees and move them to try and get them more in play but the changes are all subtle and that's what the place is about and these are the stuff that the, 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 there's no big uh, list on the on the locker room saying we've moved this tree to there this tree to there you work them out as you're, you, as you you're gotta, yeah you, you know I mean when you've been there a few times you, you kind of I'm not saying I'd notice that but uh, you know 
you kind of do see some subtle changes. I mean, obviously, the uh, there's quite a few courses now of this sub-air system. Um, in fact, Adair Manor has it uh, here in Ireland, mm. uh, you know, the, the renovated Adair mm. Manor. Um, uh, so, you know, the sub-air system was a huge uh, leap forward in, in golf, the way they could totally control the speed of the greens. Um, so I remember when that happened. And the wor- most worrying sound as a caddy and player was hearing the machines working behind behind the greens. They're sucking air out of the, or they're <laughs> sucking moisture out of the uh, the greens. In other words, they're going to be lightning fast. Yeah. That was the sound you didn't really want to hear. You wanted to hear silence. Yeah. But um, yeah, so I mean things like that. I mean the place is impeccable. The place is, you see it in television. It looks like uh, probably Chelsea Flower Show, you know, in May, um, and that's what it's like. It's. The, you know, it's it's not a it's a fine tooth comb. Everything is absolutely in order. It's and and the whole place is about order. What um, do what do players? How do players react to it when they get there first? They're, they're in awe. There's no doubt. There's there's a sense of awe. Um, uh, but it's the first major of the year. There's a heightened awareness. They're on edge. They over prepare. They. Um, you know, they just just tune it up to the point of uh, explosion point before Thursday. You know, so um, yeah, there's there's definitely a heightened awareness. You, you're kind of you can sense they're on edge, they're like a you know thoroughbreds that you're trying to hold back from the start line. You know, and and uh, so really managing how they spend their time beforehand and their expectation is a huge thing. Um, I, I've been suggesting to my guy that he plays as many practice rounds as he can with them. Um, that's Rafa with. Mm. Uh, Jose Mario Lathabal, because obviously he's won twice. He's a wealth of knowledge. And as I was saying earlier, the, the, the whole course and everything around is about subtlety. So, you know, the subtlety that, you know, you're not going to find by actually playing it a few times. You actually need to draw it out of people. So um, I'm hoping next week we're going to play a few practice rounds with Jose. And is that subtlety that I often hear people talk about or, or players or caddies talk about that the thing with Augusta is things like where to miss, all that kind of stuff. Is is that what you mean by subtlety? Absolutely. I mean, you know, you know, they always say golf is a game of of inches, you know, and, and particularly so there. You can you can miss, you know, we we have spots. That's how we work. The place you want to miss, even if it means missing the green, um, you need to be below the hole. If you're above the hole, you're gone. Mm. Um, but even the subtlety of being a yard further than pin high makes the putt, you know, completely different than being, you know, a yard longer rather than a yard shorter. Yeah. It, they're the subtleties. Um, so, you know, it makes your putt completely different uh, where you have to putt downhill more, uphill and then downhill. Mm. I mean, you know, the, the whole art of Augusta is obviously that strategy and then coupled with putting well, like this, like it is every other week. Tends to be the best putter who wins, yeah. you know, but particularly there, you're going to leave yourself a lot of four and five footers. You need to hold them, mm. uh, and that's what you'll see this week, like you've seen it every other year. I dug out actually. Uh, you've written plenty of columns for the Irish Times before, and I dug out one you wrote about Augusta before. And you, uh, there was a brilliant line in it where you say Augusta is about discipline and control. You have to be committed and exceptionally tolerant especially when you get a capricious gust of a gust of wind when you least expect it. I love that that idea of being tolerant. Well, That's the idea, because people talk about patience an awful lot in golf, yeah. but tolerance is slightly different. 
Yeah, I mean, I, I, you know, yeah, absolutely. It's it's what you need. It's what you know. It's increasingly what we as caddies do is is try and give some perspective to the, to them getting caught up in the moment, mm. and be tolerant. Be tolerant of everything. You know, you, you, the whole thing is, I suppose, they're trying to control everything. And they do to a large degree. They control their preparation. They control their swing. Their, you know, the way they walk. Everything, but you can't control the elements. You can't control, as I said, there a capricious gust of wind. Of which, I mean, I, I know it's, it's kind of hard to believe, but I'm sure they chose that piece of land specifically because it is so difficult to figure out where the wind's coming from. It is the most, I mean, I, to this day, we have wind maps, we have compasses, we have everything. Yeah. You have to use your instinct. You know, I remember being there with Caddy for Ernie Els when we played with Phil Mickelson a few years ago, both of us in the exact same spot on the 15th fairway. Ernie bust a five wood and just got to the, and be similar distance, it hit at a similar distance. And, uh, you know, the wind was totally into us. So that's the space of a minute. Phil hits from right beside as a five iron over the green. Wow. Now, that's what's happening with the wind. And that's just weird. And that's why you see, and that's why it takes a long to play. You see them backing off a lot. Mm. You see them looking, you know, like the classic example, A-man corner in the 12 tee. They're always looking at the flag on 11. They're looking, we're looking for anything. Hopefully somebody's smoking. <laughs> you know, let's see that smoke so we can, you know, and, and the, the, you know, to try Preferably and be able, somebody standing on yeah, top of one of the pines Absolutely, smoking. yeah, yeah smoking yeah. a big cigar. <laughs> Of which they smoke many in the States. But um, it's probably illegal in, in Augusta. I don't know that, actually. Is there smoking allowed in Augusta? I know you can't lean on the um, the the, uh, the ropes, the posts holding the ropes. You know that lean. Well, the marshal will come and tell you. Might be a little you cannot lean on those. Well. But um, so... Colin, I, could you tell us something that you'd see kind of inside the ropes and in competition that we um, we wouldn't get to see on television. Well, I mean, I, I think the classic thing of Augusta is the um, the elevation change, which you can never see. I know television screens and 3D and everything is is, is gives you a much better depth perception, but you cannot, um, you know, the likes of the, the eighth hole, it's almost 20 yards uphill. You don't see that. Um, huge difference there. Tenth, so much downhill. Um, the 18th especially. The 18th is, yeah, the second shot is, is um, yeah, 10 yards uphill. Um, I so going to, I, I was lucky enough to cover the Masters twice, I think, in 09 and 10. And I remember going to what, you know, is sort of known as the Sandy Lyle bunker, yeah, you know, that they, that they aim at off the tee. And I remember seeing Sandy Lyle's shot down the years and kind of going, yeah, come on, like it was a, it was a grand shot, but I mean, how, how hard could it have been? I had no idea. Of the, the elevation yeah. from that bunker to the tee. Yeah, yeah, it's, None it's 10 yards, yeah. 10 yards, but, um, which actually got us in, um, when I caddied for Retief in, in, well, I caddied for him for a number of years, but he had his best chance in 2007. Um, and I remember, uh, amongst a few other chances we had before that, we got to the 18th and the pin is the usual front left, about 10 on, five over the left side. Um, uh, that tells you how many times I've been there. Mm. I actually know where the pins are. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but um, I remember we were in between a wedge and a nine iron. And unfortunately, it's the one time he probably listened to me. We hit a nine iron, we hit it long. So <laughs> mm. uh, that was it over. That was our last chance. And it stayed on top. Normally, you kind of hit the, 
the upslope there and it comes back, but it didn't happen. That Again, we were playing for... T- and that's the subtleties. You're playing for 10 yards uphill because we would factor that yes. into the number. Effectively, that should be a club longer, but then with the shorter irons, it tends not to be the case when it's warmly elevated. So, um, But yeah, sorry, the, I, let's go back to the the differences. Yeah, so I suppose the main difference is, is that... Um, I suppose another thing you probably don't see is the grain on the fairways, the way they mow the fairways. Um, you know, the, a lot of the fairways are into the grain, which brings, people say length isn't important. It is because if you don't carry it far enough, the short hitters are pitching and stopping, you know. Is that why they say ball height is so important? Ball flight, yeah. Ball I flight. mean, I, you know, ball flight is, is key around there. I know I know the likes of Zach Johnson has won there. Some of the putts really well is going to win. You know, no matter how they hit the ball, but particularly a player like Rory, somebody like Xander Shoufley, um, obviously Dustin Johnson, any of the guys, Sergio, the guys who hit it high, um, huge advantage. Obviously with length off the tee, if it's pitching into the grain, because it's all carry, whereas the shorter hitters are hoping for run. Um, and then into the greens, getting control on the greens with a high ball flight and obviously a shorter iron. Um, length is an advantage. So... Um, well, you mentioned yeah. Zach Johnson there, and you mentioned 2007. Um, I, I actually watched back last night um, some of 2007. Your guy was was leading, standing on the 12th. Like, and I watched. I actually watched the broadcast. He had three birdie chances coming in, mm. and just the putts didn't drop. Like that, you came very close in that. Subtly, and that, that's how it's so difficult to win. You know, no matter what it is, if yeah. it's a, it's a, if it's a normal event, or uh, you know, because. When people say good luck, they mean it. You need good luck. Mm. And I remember, again, I tend not to remember. There's been an awful lot of shots hit since 2007 Mm. that I've seen on the other side of the bag. But I do remember vividly on 16, the usual pin just over the bunker on the left. There's an ideal spot to hit. There's a huge bank right of it on the green. Retief hit the perfect spot. It stayed there. It defied physics. It stayed on a slope. I I, I can't Um, overstate. I watched this last night and I nearly had to watch it three times. mm. How perfect a spot he hit. Like another two inches in the air and it would have rolled down whole side. Absolutely. And that's, you know, that's golfing gods, whatever. I don't know. I don't know what you believe in, but it didn't happen. You but need exactly, a, but it was exactly the shot that we'll, we'll yeah. all be watching on Sunday that everybody will be trying to hit right in, right in the middle of the green, right as that bank crests mm-hmm. and you just roll down to the flag. And it didn't happen for him. It didn't come down. He was lucky to two-putt it in the end. I think he left himself maybe a six-footer and it was just all he you had, can do. He had to putt with his back to the hole. Yeah. You know, he had yeah. to putt away yeah. from the hole and barely touch the ball. And it went eight feet past, down past that. Absolutely. And that's probably, you know, you're looking at television, what's he doing aiming over there? You know, but the fact is it's going down two yards of, of slope or something on a green, which you can't see in the, on the screen. But, uh, yeah, he hit it close again on 17. Well, not close, but he gave himself a maybe 25-footer chance from behind the pin. Um, missed that as well. But uh, there you go. Because he had a great run in those years. Now, he had, he had he, I think he finished like third, third and second in successive years. But yeah. the two... Thirds were kind of he backed into them yeah. a little bit, but that was a ch- that was a real. That chance. was a genuine chance, yeah, 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 yeah absolutely. And you know, um, I suppose plenty of people have, have had chances and 
you know, I mean, whether it didn't happen for him, he didn't take it, I don't know, but it, it you know, it, it didn't turn out in the day. But, uh, how is your guy this year, Rafa Cabrera Bello? You, how long have you been with him now? This is, um, yeah, I started January of last year, okay. so, uh, yeah, we're going into our 15th month. Mm. Um, it's been good, he's a good player, he's, uh, he's um, his ball flight probably isn't ideal for Augusta, but then again, as I said, if you putt well, um, anything can happen you know you can you can make up for that way but he um he got a little putting lesson on the tuesday before mexico um, which was my last event with him um he went on to finish third there mm. and it clarified something it's amazing how someone from just a uh, someone from outside not, not in the camp just gave him a little tip and it's always the little simple tips even at that level level that makes such a difference um, amazing, which has transformed Yeah, because it's amazing. You often hear these players talk about, you know, I, I found something. And, you, and you're kind of going, you've been playing golf since you were five years old. How can you be finding something between Thursday and Friday? Well, listen, <laughs> the, the day you think you know it all is the day, <laughs> you've, particularly golf, because the golfing girls will find out they think you know it all. But no, I mean, it's all subtlety. The, the game is so technical now. Mm. And what you're doing with, with the modern golfer, particularly the modern golfer who's, who enjoys technicality and detail and sometimes meaningless, meaningless detail is to keep it simple. It is a simple game, you know, and the only way these guys can play is instinctively. What they do, you know, the preparation is the key. You can use your brain all you want there and take as long as you want, but on the course it's about instinct. All the work is done. And you, you always see, you, you can tell as a caddy, looking at a player, he's got it. He's in the zone. Keep out of his way. The best thing you do is keep out of his way. Whereas if they're looking for something, they're, they're, everything is just, it's, it's a slow process. It's, you know, it's laborious. It doesn't happen. Whereas you see them, it's like you watched, I'm sure if you watched over the, the old footage you watched last year, Sergio and, and mm -hmm. Justin Rose going at it. I mean, they were knocking the pin at it. The golf was phenomenal yeah. around there, which is incredible. And it was instinctive. You just see them pull the club out, hit the shot. And you know it's going to be close. And they do. So that's what you're trying to get players to do, you know, as, as, as much as it's about understanding what works for you technically and everything, when you get in the course, it's about pulling the trigger and doing it as quickly as possible. So, um, and that goes into the amateur game as well. Uh, one of my big bugbears is slow play, you know, guys think too much and they actually don't play any better. And if you think less, you actually tend to play better. I wonder, Colin, too. Um over the last couple of weeks, we've had Rory McIlroy and people talking about crowds, drunken crowds indeed. Oftentimes, it seems on television at Augusta that you've got a very, it does almost like a church-like atmosphere, it seems sometimes. Do the yeah. crowds Bible and, <laughs> and what they're like, does it, does it affect the game on the course? Yeah, I mean, you know, I remember uh, when they changed Augusta and the, the, like, I think it would be the winning score of three under, four under, wasn't it, with Zach Johnson, you know, when, when, and it was, it was muted was on the back nine. The, the whole idea is people want to see guys like like last year knocking the pin out if they can you know and and th that's the whole idea and, and love encouragement it's great to hear roars it's great to hear atmosphere you know but um and definitely they're not drunken they're they're appreciative golf fans just right. appreciating golf i mean you know in many ways most events you go you go to an event the the hospitality areas are getting bigger and bigger um you know it seems like that there's plenty of alcohol flowing sun, alcohol, you know, uh, late in the afternoon, they get pretty mouthy. Mm. Um, 
I, you know, I, I don't know if it's got too much that's really puritanical about it, but I kind of think it has. But then that's that's why we're playing for the purses we're playing for, and you know, the thing is so successful. They got to keep attracting people, you know, that want to go and enjoy themselves, you know. But I suppose there has to be a line drawn, and maybe it will be. But Augusta is a wee bit different because you know those tickets are so impossible to get. They're handed down through generations. They're they're kind of locals mostly that are at it, all that kind of stuff. Yeah, I mean, somebody tap you on the shoulder if they thought you were too loud and just say, "That's not how we do it here, sir." Yeah. Tone it down. <laughs> so. Um, and you would listen because you'd be escorted to the gate if, if um, I mean, you can't run. You know, you know the classic in the morning. So you asked about inside the ropes. We would go and walk the pins maybe in the morning. Um, everyone's on heightened. I said there, players on heightened awareness, equally the caddies, you know, out walking pins, doing, you know, overkill, but uh, whatever. Um, so, you know, you'd, you'd walk the pins so that there's a strict time when the, the gate's open. And... Uh, there's not like there's many stands there, which you probably see in television as well, not like most events where there's what they call in the States huge bleachers. So people bring their, there's natural amphitheaters where they bring their seats with them, which you can buy in the merchandise tent, by the way, for I don't know how much they oh, are. But yeah, we, it's all, anyway, 80 bucks. it all works. But um, so they, you know, there could be a stampede for the, the top spots. So the rule is no running and no one runs. They walk very quickly, but uh, they don't run. It's like race walking to get a spot, is it? That's it. Yeah, yeah. It is. It's hilarious. Yeah. I actually saw it the year the year that I was there, and yeah. you see, at eight o'clock in the morning, they open the gates, or maybe half seven, maybe half yeah, seven or eight. It is, yeah. it's, it's pretty early. You know? Like it's not it's not like six o'clock like it is at the British Open, you know, and. Uh, Exactly like that. You see thousands of people race walking down to, down to around where the yeah. 16th is. You know where the, where the pond is there. Yeah, over the water. They, and they put up their plant seats. Plant their seats. They plant their <laughs> seat and put their name in the yeah. back of it. And nobody sits in your seat. Yeah. They go away and get breakfast. Come back. Yeah. Come back when when the main group is is reaching the 16th. They've got their seat. Nobody. I mean, it's all seat. very civilized. It yeah. is. I mean, there's, there's there's nothing like it. It is unique. I mean, you can agree with the you know or disagree with the, the system, but it, there is no other tournament like it. So um, that's for sure. And as you will attest, Maliki, yeah. you've been to it. Well, hopefully, Colin, <laughs> we will be watching on Sunday night and see you tending the pin. Just yeah. as things are hotting up. Yeah, hopefully I won't be watching. I'll hopefully be, you'll not be watching. <laughs> I'll be just watching my guy. Watching from the back of the green. <laughs> Colin, thanks so much and Thank, all the best next time. Thanks for having me. And that does it for our special bonus out of time podcast ahead of the Masters. Uh, we will be back on Friday with our regular programming. Uh, thanks a million to Declan and to Pat and uh, let's all go and watch some golf. See you later, folks. <laughs>